Automotive. I'm your host, Louis Alexander, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Free Tools, we're trying to answer any automotive questions you may have. Our number is 291-6901. And the area code is 225. So you can use that area code with the 291-6901 number and reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure appreciate it when you do. We always like hearing folks all around the country, all around town, wherever you may be. That's it. Just give us a call. We'll be glad to try to help you out. We've got all our lines wide open. Get you right up straight to the top of the list. Prime, Perfect time per- calling. There, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Great minds think alike. There huh? you go. Yeah, we were sitting here chit-chatting before the show. Right. One topic that we try to kind of at least touch on about once a year. Mm-hmm. And... For some reason, I don't think it's ever really a popular topic, but that is communicating with a shop. Sure. But I just feel that it's so important. You After being in the automotive business for roughly 50 years and seeing the problems that stem from no more than this one thing. Right, just communication. Communication. And we wrote an article oh, several years ago, and I, I moved it up to the top of the list where if you pop on the website, it'll, it'll show up at the top of the list so you can find it a little easier. Right. And it's kind of a spoof on the old book, Men Are From, or Women From Venus, Men Are From Mars. And that book, which I thought was a very good uh, read, it goes into the communication styles between men and women and, and how they're different and how they can improve that. Well, this more or less does the same thing, except that it's saying shops are from Mars and customers are from Venus. Sure. It's really true. So, so many times I think we go in and think we're making ourselves clear but really not what you're saying is not what's being heard what's being heard is not maybe what you intend and it ends up a really really bad situation right i don't think there's a shop out there that i know of that intentionally fails to fix the person's car or wants to make a customer angry or chooses not to serve people properly Mm -hmm. everybody wants to do a good job and i don't think as a customer who says hey i want to get ripped off right but it happens a lot of times and very 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 often it's just a lack of communication for instance one of the things that uh, i think is sort of a classic thing is that when you buy most things you know what it is that you want sure you know, if you wanted a 65-inch flat-screen TV, you know what you want. So, therefore, all you have to do is look at the specifications and go to a store and find the one that's the least expensive. Sure. You may even decide on a certain brand name that you've heard about. You may want a LG or you may want a Samsung or whatever brand, Sony. But at that point, you're comparing apples to apples. That's right. You know what you want. Now, let's compare that to a car problem very often you let's say you get in your car you're driving along and it doesn't shift okay now you may think at this point i want a transmission right or i need a transmission i need a transmission more of the point i guess but really it's not the case what you need is to know why the car is not shifting correct but unfortunately what a lot of people will instinctively do at this point is they'll start calling shops sure they'll call around and find how the cheapest, much is a rebuilt transmission find the cheapest how guy mu- how much rebuilt transmission well what that method will do is find the guy who is the cheapest at saying at he's selling a rebuilt transmission. transmission now unfortunately that's not what you need what you need is to know why the car is not shifting correct which may not have anything whatsoever to do with the transmission it could be a mad map sensor well, the, the transmission a, works on inputs from the engine. Correct. 
So input if, from the engine, and if you also, have a bad input, then you're going to have a bad shift, right? Or no shift. So you've checked all around. You found the guy who rebuilds trimmings for the least amount of money, who's probably the guy who's probably the least likely to diagnose the problem. Sure. You go into him rebuild transmission. He does. You get it back to doing exactly the same thing. Well, now is it his fault or you, is it your fault? Well, you went in asking for a certain thing. You said I want a rebuilt transmission. What's the lowest price you got? And he gave it to you, and so you end up with the same exact problem. And believe me, this happens all the a time. lot of times. People time. call, I would say, at least twice a month. Sure. They're mad as the devil at the shop, and they're coming in. I'm still up. I spent $2,000, $3,000, still doing the exact same thing. Well, okay. But now, they don't want to hear you went about this the wrong way. Well, nobody does. Nobody wants to hear that, and me included. Right. I remember, I think it was Winston Churches. I, I like to learn, but I don't like being taught. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of the same sort of a thing. Now, how could we better go about getting that problem resolved? Well, first thing you do is you don't start calling around looking for the cheapest guy to, to serve well, a certain symptom. Yeah, you don't know what the problem right. is. First thing we Nobody do is knows let's, what the symptom is. Let's find out is. what's wrong first. So now what we need to do is call around a little bit and say, hey, my transmission is not shifting properly. And then listen to what the guy on the other end of the line says. Sure. He says, okay, well, what we need to do get it in. We're going to check, scan for codes. We're going to do an electrical system profile. We are going to do a pressure test, and we're going to find out why your transmission isn't shifting. Well, now you're probably at the right place. Sure. And how much is that going to cost? Well, we bill by the hour. It's going to probably take an hour or maybe two, and we bill in one-tenth of an hour increments at this much per hour. That's all that can really be discussed at this point in time because sure. nobody knows what's wrong. Right, so you can't give a, give a price without knowing what – you're pricing out. In fact, ironically, the guy who will spit out a price to you, yeah, is you're probably, probably not the, the right least one. <laughs> likely guy that you want to work on this car. Exactly, because he is, if he's going to try to bait you in with a price, which is usually he's going to give you a price that's somewhere towards the bottom. Mm -hmm. He's probably not the guy you want working on the car. Right. The guy who you want working on the car is the guy who says, "Let's check it and find out what's wrong." And we charge this much per hour. We're billing one tenth of an hour increments. If you want, you can say stop at an hour, and sure. I can tell you exactly what I know at that point. You know, this is the kind of person that you're looking for right. to resolve this sort of a problem for you. He may go in, and the very first thing he does, when he dr test drives the car around, he notices the voltage on the voltmeter is fluctuating back and forth between 11 and 14 volts. Hooks up a alternator test machine, finds out the alternator's bad. Well, that may be the end of it. That took a total of about 10 minutes. And had nothing to do with the transmission. Nothing to do with transmission, At whatever. All. He may go in and notice any number of things immediately or very close to immediately. Mm -hmm. Then again, other things are going to take more time. Well, sure. A pressure more, check in it takes, about an, takes hour. about an hour to do. Just to connect the gauges, go out, drive the car, see what the pressure is doing, see if it's being commanded up. Is it rising? You know, I had a gentleman who emailed this morning. He says after he drives a long distance, his transmission feels like it comes out of lockup, and then it starts to really bang into gears. In fact, mm -hmm. his word feels like a mule's kicking. Okay. So that is a guy who's giving you the symptoms that you can take and come up with some information. I said, well, what is likely occurring at this point is that you're reaching maximum adapt. What that means is that's not a diagnosis. That is a confirmation of the symptoms. What's happening is something is slipping inside the transmission, so it's boosting the pressure to compensate. 
when it gets to a certain point, it starts slamming into gear. Sure. Now, if you turn the ignition off, turn it back on, it resets all this. It wakes up. So until, it wakes up in a new world when you cycle the key. Exactly. So until you drive it a far enough distance again, it's not going to occur again. Doesn't mean it's fixed. Correct. It just means you reset the adapts on it. So that may sound like a diagnosis, but it's not. You're just confirming the problem. Mm-hmm. Something is wrong. Something's causing it. So now the next step would be to connect a pressure gauge, see if the internal pressures are rising and what the commands are from the outside. If nothing from the outside is commanding this and the pressures are rising, then we know that we're, we're, we're seeing slip. RPM right. on the input is not correct relative to RPM on the output, so therefore the transmission the module is telling it to boost the pressure to correct this. We know that is an internal transmission problem. Sure. We still don't know exactly what's wrong. We just know it's an internal transmission problem. Now, if I go in there and I see that the electronic pressure control solenoid is not being commanded up. In other words, when I accelerate, the pressure does not rise. Well, we got a totally, totally separate set of circumstances sure. here. That could be a sensor on the outside. It could be a wire that's cut. It could be a wire that's corroded. We're not getting the command to the solenoid to open to raise the pressure. So, therefore, it is slipping. Then when it does slip, it starts to do maybe the same thing. So, you know, we get this all the time where people get a check engine light and they'll say well i've already gotten a diagnosis okay what do you mean you've gotten it well i went to a parts store and they told me it's no that's not a diagnosis no they checked a code which only gives you a very very small glimmer of what the computer is encountering has nothing to do with a diagnosis it's all it's all written by the engineer when this certain circumstances happen Mm -hmm. you turn the light on you set this code Right. Now, it could be anything within the wiring. It could be a part. It could be the driver in the computers right. going back. There's hundreds of things that could cause that, that one is what code to come up. Does. He may start with reading the code, but that's only the start. Sure. Then you go in, you test, you find out what it leads you on a different path. You go down until you find out what the cause is. So a check engine light, in this case, is basically like a fire alarm in a 30-story building. It's an early warning system. We know that the fire alarm is going off, but we, but we don't, don't know, know why. why. We don't know if it's where? really a fire, where, or what it's going to take to put it out. Sure. Hey, we're going to take a quick little break. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. Travel my way. Take so, Madame Babushka, you can tell if my brand-new bow and mirror are a good match? Yes. As I gaze into my crystal ball, I see him over a grill. And now he's on a couch watching football, eating a large plate of meat. Meat? Yes, no veggies. Now I see him on a boat, fishing, and then on a deer stand. Fishing and hunting? Yes, I'm afraid so. Wouldn't it be great if you could look into your car's future to see the road ahead? At Agco, you can. Take your car to Agco once a year for a general inspection. It's the best way to catch any potential problems that could lead to bigger repairs down the road. Ah, it looks like all this man wants to do is watch sports, hunt, fish, and grill. Oh, Madame Babushka, I love all those things. He sounds perfect. Thank you so much. Huh, c'est la vie. My work here is done. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. And that's what Jim did. Good morning, Jim. Hey, Louis. It's actually Tim, but that's okay. Oh, Tim, I'm, I'm sorry. To your, 
to listening to your podcast up here in Charleston, West Virginia. Oh, great. Hey, I've got a, I got a GMC truck, mm-hmm. 2001 Sierra model with the 5.3 liter V8, and I got 245,000 miles after 17 years on that thing, mm-hmm. and take care of it like you say to. Good deal. Typical problems, a fuel pump went out at 140,000, a low pressure switch on air conditioning went out at just a little bit ago, that's the first time I had a problem with the AC, but never had the head crack gasket, or the head crack problem, right. never, had, never had the gauge cluster problem, it's been a great truck, doesn't, I use a half a quart of oil and 4,000 miles, use Mobile One Synthetic, and doesn't drip anything, I, I mean it's a great truck, now I'm wondering... When's the radiator going to go? <laughs> Some of these fixed things that aren't mechanical yeah. moving, you know, you talk about radiators maybe mm-hmm. last eight to ten years, catalytic steering racks. How long can I expect this thing to go if I, if I keep up the good maintenance on it? Well, if you keep up the good maintenance on it, I mean, certain things like a radiator yeah, that's eventually just, is going to go. And right. on, on that particular one, generally it splits over on the left-hand side, right between those two pipes that come in, those cooler pipes. It'll yep. split down in that area, and it's going to do it unexpectedly. You know, it's been a great truck. It hasn't cost you a whole lot of money. I think if it were me, I'd go ahead and replace the radiator. Sure. I mean, just because of the age of it, you know it's coming, and it would be a lot more convenient for you to do that on a weekend that you plan. You got the parts there. You're ready to go. You can do it. Then to have it in the middle of the week when you got to get to work or whatever so I think I would just go ahead and preemptively replace that. If nothing else, that old radiator is going to be clogged even if it's been meticulously serviced it's not going to be 100 percent efficient as it should be and a new one is going to be a lot more efficient and radiators are just fairly inexpensive now you don't have to go with oem radiator just a, a good name brand radiator and the one on that truck is really easy to change very easy to change so i think i would swap that out now as stuff as far as stuff like the rack and pinion and all i just wait and see because number one it's very unlikely to leave you stranded at most it'll start leaking you start losing fluid you got some time you know, it's not like a radiator that generally catastrophically fails unexpectedly. So I guess the things you replace preemptively depends on the nature of the failure and you know, how inconvenient it's going to be when it fails. You know, if you don't drive this truck very much at all, you got another vehicle and you're always pretty close to home, you could even wait until the radiator fails because it's not going to be a major inconvenience to you. If you depend on the truck, well, then that's another story. It's, it's probably easier to go ahead and replace it now. So you know, I would probably look at doing a radiator, something like a rack and pinion. I would not. I'd just wait and see because it's going to give you some warning. Yeah, one other little, or I'll ask you mm-hmm. if you've ever heard this. When I got that thing, you know, 2001, it was using a quart of oil about every 1,500. Okay. The, the dealer said, that's normal, you know. Mm-hmm. And it did that for the first 50,000 miles, even though I went to the synthetic fluid and stuff in it. And then a few years later, somebody told me, in 2004, they changed that PCV valve from a ball-type uh, right. valve to, to an a orifice. fixed orifice. Mm-hmm. And if you go to the newer-style fixed orifice, PVC check valve, it'll quit doing that. And, and sure enough, I put a newer-style 2004 or 5 fixed mm-hmm. orifice PVC valve in it, and it went from using a quart every 1,500 to half a quart every 4,000, and it's yeah. still at half a quart every Well, 4, it could have had a bad PCV valve sure. in it because the problem with the orifice type is that the PCM has to be programmed to allow for that. Where PCV valves work is that they close off at an idle to keep you from having extra airflow going through there that could disrupt the idle. When you at moderate acceleration, they open. And that way, it's not an effect because you got enough air running through it. And then at a backfire situation, it closes the valve to keep it from going back the other way. 
the ones that have the orifice tube, the PCM handles that. It automatically knows, hey, we're going to rich it, we're going to lean out here at idle, so it just gives more fuel to compensate for it. So that is also when they went to the drive-by wire system, right? When they went to different throttle body where they could control the throttle a little easier. I mean, I would really prefer to see the other type PCV valve in that application. Although if it's not causing you any problems, no rough idle or anything, I mean, I yeah. w- I wouldn't worry too much about. it. Obviously, it's able to adapt to it, but. It wasn't just an improvement, it was a change. The other one has certain advantages that it does offer, like if the engine were to cough back, it keeps that from going into your crankcase, you know, it, it blocks the flow. So you might, I mean, PCV valves are so cheap. I mean, a, a really good OEM valve is probably four or five bucks. I'd probably try another OEM valve. Now, obviously, if it starts using all again, then pop yeah, the other pop one back in back. there and go with it. But I think the advantages of the valve are probably enough to, help with that i've got an o2 model and i've got the regular pc valve in mind it burns absolutely no oil never has but it could have been the original valve was just bad just defective and was sucking all in okay all right well i appreciate it you guys got a great show i listen uh usually podcast every week but, well great uh, have a great day all right tim it. thanks for calling man thank you okay. bye-bye all right 291-6901 is the number if you want to be part of the automotive hour we're going back to the phone lines with mark good morning mark good morning Lewis. yes sir I got a couple questions. Okay. I appreciate everything you do. You well, thank you. You're a lot of help. I got a 2012 GMC Terrain, mm-hmm. and it's got roughly 50,000 miles on it, right at 50. Mm-hmm. It's my wife's vehicle, and her and her mother purchased new vehicles at the same time, and she bought one also in 2012. And my daughter has a 2014 Terrain. Mm-hmm. What I'm getting at is on a on the 2012 that her mother bought at 60,000 miles, the water pump went out. And they had to do a valve job and everything else. My daughter's car at 62,000 miles, her terrain, her timing belt broke at the uh, gas station mm-hmm. at 61,000. Right. And I got a 50,000 on mine. My re- what would you recommend me? Because I'm, I'm scared time belt, water pumps could go out there, or do I need to get rid of it? Yeah, that's got a timing chain on it, and they had a lot. It's a 3.6 liter? Yeah, 3.6 liter in yours? Yes, sir. Yeah, that was a very problematic thing they had going on with those. You might just check. I thought that GM had some kind of a warranty extension on that problem. I called GM on my daughter's 2014. The timing belt, because it's 6,000 bucks, you know? Yeah. Yeah, if they're not willing to do anything for you, I got to say that is one of my least favorite vehicles that GM builds. I mean, they seem to be problematic overall, not just the timing chain problem, but they have a lot of suspension problems, squeaks, rattles with lower control arm bushes going out. The struts can lock up on them. They've had motor a lot mounts. Of, yeah, motor mounts go out a lot. The air conditioning fails on them. I mean, they're an okay vehicle for about 50,000 miles, and in, in my opinion, they kind of start falling apart after that like a lot of newer vehicles do. I mean, it's not be a my, good time to get rid of it, huh? Yeah, it's not my favorite vehicle, I can tell you. Right now, if it's running good, you could probably get decent money for it. You know, I'm in the business of fixing cars, but sometimes certain models are just so problematic for us, I don't recommend people spend a lot of money fixing them. Now, it's kind of like people, too, Mark. I mean, sometimes you just get a good one. It just right. doesn't have the problems, and that may be the case here, but I got to yeah, say, I, I, overall... And generally, the problems start around 50 to 60. You know, it, it, the first 50,000 is pretty good. Some of it depends. If you follow GM's recommendations as far as, like, all changes and all, or you push them out seven, eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 miles like they say you can, 
you're going to have problems. You're going to pretty much have yeah. problems, man. I mean, if it's well, been. We been doing that. Yeah, if you maintain it meticulously, put synthetic oil and change 3,000. Yeah, low miles. Maybe. Yeah, real low. Sometimes I mean, that's worse on the car than Yeah, it is. Pilot. It is. That's hard on them. I mean, I think what I would do, Mark, is just go look around and see what the market is. I mean, if it's going to cost you a inordinate amount of money to change to something else, then I probably would take a different tack. Well, but what I mean, I'd like to have my, my, what I'd like to have my wife don't want. I got a seven point three four two thousand. Yeah, yeah. Bulletproof. I'd love to have me a excursion. Wish they kept on billing those, but. I would probably go and see what I could get for it relative to what it's going to cost to get something else. And if you can do that without losing a whole bunch of money, that's great. But I got to say, overall, our experience with that vehicle has been pretty poor. Well, let me ask you, you know a pretty good vehicle in the last five years has been pretty bulletproof? I can tell you that what I bought. I bought a Toyota Camry. Yeah, they're good. Just bought <laughs> yeah. one about six months ago. And, I mean, I, my wife is thrilled to death like with it. SUV? What kind of SUV would you recommend? I like Toyota? Toyota products. I like the Honda products. Me personally, I wouldn't buy anything Ford Bills. GM, I'd be kind of picky about what I bought with them. But I like the Toyota and Honda products. I've had better luck out of those overall than just about anything else. It's kind of like an old joke in the industry. It says, you know, the best mechanics drive a Toyota and work on Fords. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Now, I have a uh, Toyota Tacoma, and the rear end went out. It's sixty four thousand. Hmm. It was all because I was overloading it. It wasn't a Toyota. Yeah, yeah. And they warranted it outside of warranty. Wow, that's pretty Toy- good. Toyota has a very good customer service. They place. are very liberal yeah. on their warranties. I've been pretty impressed with them. Actually, I sent a lady back last week. She had a, a GMC Acadia. She was three thousand miles over her thirty six thousand mile warranty, and they had a, a TSB, which is technical service bulletin, right. on a motor mount. Right. Sent her back over, and they told her, "Nope, we're done. Yeah, we, we're not going to fix it You're for 3, you." Three thousand miles out. It costs you. Well, yeah, it, it's going to cost you GMC several hundred dollars. Yeah, I called them myself, and I talked to them about the timing belt because it says the time belt shouldn't even be changed at hundred thousand miles. Well, it doesn't have to be changed at all. It's supposed to be right. the life of the vehicle. But that is a complicated but, little motor. Yeah, man, I appreciate everything you do. You help. I listen to you. Listen. Well, good deal. Good deal. Thank you, Lewis. All right, Mark. Have a great day, man. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to party all more of it, we're going to take our second little break. Be right back with a whole lot more. Gotta run, Paul. I'm heading to Agco for my car's general inspection. I take it in once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems early. And they remind me of important upcoming maintenance. Things like oil changes, changing my timing belt, tire wear. Yeah. A general inspection each year would be a great thing for my marriage. Paul, thanks for bringing Marie in for her general inspection. Overall, she's in great shape. I did dial back her shopping system to save you a little money, and her nag button was stuck, so I loosened that up so you can work on your golf game and not those honeydews. As far as preventive maintenance, you've got a big anniversary coming up in April, so put that on your calendar. And I'd suggest flowers for no reason and more compliments. And Agco saved me thousands of dollars. Still anyone's guess. Paul, are you listening? Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Sounds like I need to take Marie, I mean my car, into Agco for a general inspection. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Boys off the river to ride, don't mind it. 
Hey, welcome back. If you join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. We sure appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. If you have a question or a comment about the show, give us a call, 291-6901. I guess we lost him. I think we got makes it. Might try him again here in just a second. You know, we were talking about communication right. between the shop and customer, customer and such as that. And one of the big things is the way that a shop thinks. thinks. Shops are basically mechanical people and they think literally right and if you say my car won't start then we are looking for things that would stop that vehicle from running prevent it from starting from starting and starting means that it has cranked it has started and now it's running if it doesn't start you presume that it does crank correct now is what you mean is when i turn the key it doesn't do anything that is not start right that is it will not crank correct and those totally totally different set of circumstances right those two phrases get mixed up almost all the time Mm -hmm. every time you try to talk to well and what's so bad is if it's an intermittent problem where it doesn't do it every time you may go in and say my car won't start well the guy gets in hits the key and it starts so he says i can't duplicate the problem he may even notice that every once in a while it goes click and then you turn on and hit it again and it starts Mm -hmm. he assumes that you must know about that because you didn't complain about it right you were complaining about the starting issue because a lot of people are not interested in those it's always done that they're not interested in that they're only interested in what they complain about so you have to make sure you are specific when you're giving a complaint and a lot of shops will ask you you know the the good shops the good service writers Mm -hmm. they will kind of grill you about what you're asking for right you know what do you actually mean right and we're gonna hold that thought for just a second try mason again hey mason you there yes sir what i've got is i have a 2012 infinity fx35 okay and it's been good as gold and it just turned i just got seventy four thousand, but just just past seventy thousand miles i put a new set of tires up then had the brake job then my fuel pump went out had that replaced and then my radiator cracked, had that replaced, and everything back to good as gold again. Now, the one problem I've got, which I'm calling you gentlemen to with today, my air conditioning system either blows painfully cold or almost lukewarm. I've checked my belt. It's tight as it can be. Both my fans are coming on. And this is like right after I got it. I, I, I've had the radiator replaced maybe a week ago. Mm-hmm. So I've just been noticing this problem. Now, you, which, when you say working all the way or nothing you talking about relative to your setting on your dial or you keep yes i I keep it at 60 which is the lowest Mm -hmm. and i can't help but notice and the the funny thing about it which which caused me to think initially that it was probably the belt which it was not Mm -hmm. was that when it's idling Mm -hmm. or i'm i'm on the interstate at a you know i'm driving at 60 miles an hour 65 miles at a set rpm it's blowing cold as it can be okay when i accelerate it put some load on the engine or bring the rpms up it tends to get down to barely cool Hmm. And then once I get settled into a speed to stay there for a while, then it gets back to ice cold again. I would want to check first what you're feeling coming out the vent is not necessarily what the air conditioner is doing because yeah. that has a reheat system on it. What it's got is an evaporator core and a heater core and actuators that move little doors between them to regulate that temperature. Gotcha. See, you may not have a problem with the air conditioning at all. If it ever gets ice cold, Odds are the air conditioning system is functioning right. fine. The refrigeration system is, is I working. think you may have some type of a reheat situation going on where one of those doors is fluctuating around or losing its home position, which could be an electrical problem. And you, know, you got 220-degree water sitting there and you got 47-degree cold air. That heater's going to win out. Yeah. I mean, just as light, the slightest amount. I've seen stuff as silly as a little rodent or something crawl up under the dash and chew the 
seal off one of those doors and it just doesn't seal good <laughs> at times yeah. uh, or an actuator get off time uh-huh. what i would want to do first off is to go in check the pressures on the ac system just to make sure the refrigerant side is okay yeah. and i think it probably will be now what you could kind of do yourself mason is next time it's doing it if you can stop raise the hood go in and touch those two lines and see if one of them's ice cold and the other one's hot and if it yep. is then ac is probably working okay Okay. And you probably got something going on under the dash. Now, most of the time on modern cars like that, it's going to set some codes. It's not going to set them in the power control module, so you won't be able to see them. There's no check engine light or anything, but it's going to set right. a code in the chassis control module or the body control module. And okay. Like, if that actuator lost its position, it'll know that. And it'll set a code for that. Then you can go okay. from there and do some tests, and you can diagnose the problem and get to the heart of the problem. But that really sounds more like what's going on because I think if the AC system were malfunctioning, it wouldn't ever get real, real cold. You know, well, one, one thing. Once again, one once thing again, I, I mentioned a moment ago, I pulled off the road right now talking to you, mm-hmm. and I've had my hand in front of my air conditioning vent, and it's blowing so cold I can barely keep my fingers in yeah, front of it. Yeah, and so it, it's and working. It has, it, it is, it's been cold for a few minutes now. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that just one, comes to mind is if they changed the radiator, did they have to disconnect the battery? I'm sure they did. Okay. You well, might want to check the connections and make sure the battery connections are tight enough, the cables are tight enough on the battery, because uh-huh. the AC system is very sensitive to voltage change, and gotcha. if one of those motors loses a reading, it may not be able to find home anymore, like Lewis right. was explaining. And see, when you uh-huh. crank in the car, when you start the car first start, the motors go from one extreme to the other to home. That's why they know the center yeah. position. And if for some reason, let's say a cable's a little loose, it's got 8 volts, so it cranks the car just fine, but the voltage drops down maybe to 11 volts in the crank cycle, well, then uh-huh. that thing may lose its home position. Now it's confused, and it doesn't know where to go. So right. I see what you're talking you about. Know, there's all yeah. kinds of little things like that, but that's more likely going to be your problem. You know, If it gets ice cold, I think the refrigerator yeah. system's working. Yeah. It's something yeah, just well, interfering I, I had with the, it. I had the idea that it must be working okay because it's cold as it blows. Right. But what, what got me was, like I said, I'm driving down the interstate, and if I go to past somebody mm-hmm. and i bring it up a couple miles rpm so i'm getting to the engine a little bit right it'll it'll back off that cool but see, and then it'll come back after i've i've settled my speed to a certain yeah. a particular level but see if your if your belt were slipping it would know that it would pick that up and it would shut the system down because yeah. it, it knows that that compressor is not turning the speed of the engine it's going to shut down to, pre- to prevent a problem so i mean i still think i'm not sure what the acceleration has got to do with it on the old vacuum systems that was, yeah, that classic, was classic because when you accelerate the vacuum would drop in the dash so you know it would go to right. do, doing weird stuff but this should be all electronic but i think you may find that problem under the dash rather than in the in refrigerant system okay well thank you much gentlemen i appreciate it okay Mason, all right thanks man bye-bye all right two nine one sixty nine oh one is the number if you want to be part of the automotive i would love to have you and we were talking a little bit about communication sure. stuff and the way shops tend to think compared to the way that customers tend to think. Another thing that happens a lot is that shops tend to think in terms of severity. If they see one problem that is a major problem, they're going to tend to concentrate on that more so than they would a smaller problem. Mm-hmm. Now, where that becomes an issue is let's say you've got a car and you very rarely use it and you just kind of put around town and you don't really, you don't operate it very much. Okay. But all of a sudden you notice a slight shimmy in the steering wheel. Well, to you, it's never done that before. So that's a problem. So you bring it to the shop and say, I've got a slight shimmy in my steering wheel. The tech looks at the car. He finds a wheel weight has come off the wheel. 
But he also notices the tires are getting pretty thin. They're down to three thirty seconds inch of rubber remaining. To him, that is a much bigger problem. He's not going to recommend balancing a tire that's worn out. He's Correct. probably going to recommend a set of tires to you. But in your situation, this may not be what you want or even what you need because that one thirty second of rubber till it's worn out may, may last, last you another year, another year or more. Right. So what you end up with is a guy making a recommendation of a set of tires. You're all aggravated because you didn't want to spend that kind of money, but you did not make it clear to him the circumstance under which you're going to operate, operate the vehicle. Yeah. Right. They're going to tend to look at things that they see are more more important because they say, well, I wouldn't balance a tire that's, that's nearly worn out. Sure. But in your particular circumstances, it does make sense maybe to do that. So you have to make it clear to them. This is a car that I very rarely use, mm-hmm. and I would be open to just balancing this tire. And that would save you a whole lot of money. But, again, that's not the way a technical mind is going to tend to work. A whole lot of money and a lot of aggravation. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go back to our phone lines. We've got John online. Good morning, John. Good Good afternoon. How are you guys? Doing great, Doing great. Good. I'm calling from upstate New York, near Cooperstown, New York. I've enjoyed listening to you for several years. Thank you. You know, as a podcast and such. Thank you. You were helpful to me when I had a question concerning my brakes on my Honda Element good guidance and i appreciate it very much i've got a 06 buick lacrosse which for where i live in new york state is kind of a record to keep a car on the road <laughs> i can say so, usually rust away before then <laughs> yeah i've got an element that runs wonderfully but the frame is so rusted they can't repair it wow so um but anyways i love my buick and i got a code that led me to believe according to the you know the literal interpretation mm-hmm. that either the gas cap needed replacing so i replaced that because that was easy to do and then the secondary reason for the code apparently was for a purge valve solenoid in the back near the gas tank probably a vent Vent valve valve. the purge is usually up on the motor and the vents on back by the tank okay then i guess it's the 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 one you mentioned Mm -hmm. because that was apparently the secondary thing to change Mm -hmm. i was able to purchased that i bought an actual gm part and i changed that myself mm-hmm. got a little salt and sand in my eyes from, <laughs> from the road and stuff i learned to wear goggles but the light hasn't gone out mm-hmm. yet now it's been a couple of weeks and i drive thirty thousand miles a year mm-hmm. should it have gone out by now yes. if that solved the problem yes see and okay. what that code says it may be interpreted as a small evap leak but you got to remember anything that causes that system to leak is going to set that same code so it could be the cap it could be the vent solenoid could be the fuel tank could, could be, be fuel, all could be the lines yeah it could be anything in the in the system could, anything that, that is leaking any type of vacuum because what it has to do if, if you go to my website you type in the word evaporative emissions it's going to bring up a whole article that explains how the system works basically the purge valve the vent valve closes the purge valve opens it draws a vacuum on tank they closes. both close, and it sits and watches it, and if it degrades too fast, it sets that code. Now, that being said, there is a pressure sensor on top of the gas tank that could also set that code. Right. It's not going to set a pressure sensor code, but when the system starts looking for that leak and that sensor, the pressure sensor does not read correctly, it assumes it has a leak. Right. And it will set that same code. Yeah, see, if it, if it doesn't see the pressure hold at a certain thing, if it, it, it's supposed to be drawing down. It's not going down. It's going to assume there's a leak. It doesn't know the pressure sensor's back. Right. So, I mean, it's just so many things that it can be. That's one of the most complex systems on the car. And like I said, if you go in and, and type in evaporative emissions on my site, you're going to see a big article that explains all how it works. The next step would be, uh, John, to have someone run a smoke 
tests on the car. That's where they'll go in and they'll fill the evaporative system with smoke. And you can see leaks easily that way. I mean, because it can be a tiny, tiny leak, a little tiny crack in the top of the gas tank. It could be a vacuum line that's deteriorated. It could be one of the metal lines has rusted through. But for whatever reason, it's probably still leaking air when the solenoids are supposed to be closed. So it just throws the solenoid code because it doesn't know what else to set. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I've got I've got a mechanic up here I like and trust. It's mm-hmm. just it seems every time I end up in the shop, I'm looking at four or five hundred bucks. <laughs> that can easily happen. Yeah, I does. mean, the cars are complex, yeah. and that's just the way it goes. But I mean, you could probably spend more than that trying stuff. I mean, I would say okay, you could try the purge valve, you could try the fuel tank sensor, but again, it's a vacuum line crack. You're getting absolutely nowhere, and you're spending a whole lot of money. So, sure. well, I'm not suggesting he doesn't treat me fairly. I don't mm-hmm. mean it that way. Oh, it's just things it's- cost. Yeah, I got three cars. I'm trying to keep on the road in college, so <laughs> yeah. I'm just grasping where I can. Yeah, I but, think hey, it's I, probably going to be less expensive to go ahead and pay someone to diagnose it for, even if you choose maybe to fix it yourself. All right. Well, thank you for all you guys do. I sure appreciate your show and enjoy it. All right. Thanks, thank John. you. Thanks for calling, man. Thank you very much. Be well, guys. Bye bye. All right, we're going to take our final quick little break. We'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Kate, we can shop tomorrow. I'm off to Agco for my car's general inspection. I take it once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems before they become huge repairs down the road. You know, things like small rattles and shakes can become issues and you never can be too... A general inspection each year would be great for my marriage. Kate, thanks for bringing David in for his general inspection. Overall, he's in pretty good shape for an older model. I replaced his sensitivity regulator, which was getting a little worn. His not listening to my partner and leave the seat up lights were both about to come on, so I fixed that. As far as preventive maintenance, more fiber, less beer, and watch his portion control, especially on the weekends. And thank goodness for Agco. Kate? Kate, are you listening? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sounds like a general inspection from Agco can improve my marriage. I I mean vehicle. Uh, Improve my vehicle. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. 291-6901 is the number. And, you know, when you go to a shop, two things, I always call them the golden rules, but two things that you can say that will generally get the message communicated. Right. And that is, what is the vehicle not doing now that you want it to be doing when when you pick pick it it up? Or conversely, what is the vehicle doing now that you don't want it to be doing when you pick it up? Right. If you can convey that, you're probably going to increase your odds of getting a good experience by about a million percent. Sure. Now, sometimes it's very difficult to put into words exactly what it is that you're experiencing. And in that case, you can you should request to ride with a technician. Right. You know, the, the guy that's going to work on your car, if you can take him and show him, hey, this is the noise I'm hearing. This is the noise that's bothering me. This is what I want fixed. Right. There may be 15 other noises in the car that the tech hears, but the customer's only concerned about this particular one. Well, a lot of times you buy a car, and from the day you bought it, there was some kind of little noise or whatever. You always assumed it was normal. It never got any worse. It's just been a noise that this car makes. And you may have even had it checked at some point, and the sure. guy told you, hey, this is just a normal noise that this car makes. Whatever. It 
when you drive that car every single day, you know that. You got to remember the tech who's driving your car drives dozens, six or eight a day. Yeah, even hundreds of different cars. Every one of them makes certain noises. Sure. He doesn't know what noise is bothering you. So if you say, I've got a noise, okay, well, he goes in, starts checking, and he's going to hear this noise. He's going to hear another noise. He's hear another noise. He may hear three or four noises that you don't, you're not concerned with. Sure. Every one of these is going to take time to trace down and tell you what it is. And a good tech at that point would stop and say, hey, I need to ride with the customer to figure out which noise he's hearing, mm-hmm. or at least a phone call to the customer to maybe get an explanation straight from the customer. That rate it is, is so much easier and so much less expensive rather than tracing down all these different noises that you may not be worried well, sure, about. Sure, you could spend two or three hours tracing noises down. And a lot of times, even something like a vibration may be misinterpreted as a noise. Mm-hmm. People will say, well, I've got a noise, at, and it's really not a noise, it's a vibration. Right. Now, to the customer, all they know is something's buzzing in the hand, and they're saying, I hear it, but really they feel it. But to the tech, that's 180 that's, degrees different. Sure. So if you go in the car, I've had people, I've ridden with them, and they'll say, I've got this noise at 45 miles an hour. And so, okay, we get up 45 miles an hour, and, and I don't hear it. They say, you don't hear it? I said, I, I'm sorry, I don't hear right. it. And they say, look, and they'll show you their hand shaking on the steering wheel. Well, you don't want to correct them and make them feel bad. Oh, okay, I see what you're talking about now. It's really not a noise. It's a vibration mm-hmm. or vice versa. It may be, I had a guy one time and he said that his vehicle rode very rough. Right. And he had been to two or three shops and they had put tires on it. They had put struts on it. Sure. They had changed a lot of parts. He says the vehicle rides rough. Well, I got in and drove it. It felt like all the other vehicles of that type I'd ever been in. So I didn't feel like it rode rough, but I called him. I said, well, let's go ride it. So, Okay. So we go, and he hits this big bump, and it goes boom. He says, you see that? That's what I'm talking about. Well, now, wait a minute. You're talking about a noise on a bump as opposed it's to tough. riding rough, which are two totally different things to sure. me. What but, it was, he had broken motor mounts on the car. And when you hit the bump. If you hit a bump hard enough, if you just hit a normal bump, you didn't feel it. Right. If you hit it hard enough, the motor would pick up and slam down the chassis. Sure. And to him, that meant the car was riding rough. Well, to me, that's a bump noise when you hit a really hard bump. So I was never going to find that problem other than the fact he came out road with me. Well, and that's why he's had struts and tires and, and all right. kinds of other because stuff put on Because people were just trying to satisfy him. He's telling him it rides rough. Okay, well, let's try a different set of struts. Sure. Maybe that Because that generally controls the ride. Didn't help. Okay, well, let's try a different set of tires. And they were trying to help, but they were getting the wrong information. Exactly. So they were getting the wrong result. Right. Of course once i showed him that and i changed the motor mouse he was tickled to death he, mm-hmm. he thought i was a wizard but <laughs> what it was i just got the right information, information. and something just that simple i mean it, it sounds silly the way we're talking about it but in reality they just don't know we get people all the time say my car is not running right right well, well that doesn't mean does anything mean? to a technician no what does that mean not running right i mean that could be any where do you want him to start you're yeah, right what is it exactly doing that yeah, it what didn't is do it, before yeah what is it not doing that you want it to do or what is it doing that you don't want it to do correct if you can communicate that if you can't communicate that then go ahead and ride with the technician demonstrate it to him and that way you're going to come out a whole lot better more times less expensive and a right fix the first time yep 
Hey, that's about all the time we got for today. We'll start winding it on up, getting on out of here. I'd like to thank our podcasters for listening this week, every week. Tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service. Find a written view and fill it out for us. There you go. If you can't find a written view on your site that you listen, just go to Google and type our shop name, Agco Automotive, put a review there. We'll appreciate that just as much. Yes, we will. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.